Welcome to Current Radio's Politics Station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. Well, Abby, it seems like the cricket pitch isn't enough for some players. Bangladesh's captain, Shakib al-Hassan, is swapping his cricket whites for a political suit. That's right, Michael. Shakib is not just a cricket superstar, but a national icon in Bangladesh. He's seeking a nomination from the ruling Bangladesh Awami League to run in the upcoming general election. He's not the first cricketer to make this switch. Mashrafe Mortaza, another former captain, joined politics in 2018. But Shakib doing this while still active in his cricket career, that's... Unusual, right? But remember, he's currently nursing a finger injury, which might have given him some time to think about his next steps. True. Now he's looking to contest a seat either in his home district of Magura or in the capital, Dhaka. But there are some hurdles to clear. His candidature has to be confirmed by Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina's parliamentary board. And let's not forget, Sheikh Hasina has been at the helm for 15 years now. Despite allegations of vote rigging and democratic backsliding, she's seen as likely to return for a fourth term, especially if the opposition boycott goes ahead. It's interesting how cricket and politics intersect in South Asia. The sport is massively popular, and cricketers are influential figures. Their entry into politics can really stir the pot. Absolutely. It's not just about the fame, it's about the influence they wield. Shakib is a celebrity, and as Nassim said, he has great popularity among the country's youth. That can be a game-changer in politics. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on this. It's not every day a cricket captain steps up to bat in the political arena. Indeed, Michael. It's a whole new ballgame for Shakib. From cricket pitches to political platforms, it's fascinating how influence can shape the game, whether it's sports or politics. Speaking of games, let's pivot to a different kind of competition often seen this time of year. As we approach Thanksgiving, one might anticipate some lively debates around the dinner table. But instead of focusing on the disputes, we're going to highlight some recent bipartisan accomplishments in our government. Stay tuned as we delve into the progress that's been made when both sides of the aisle come together. Abby, Thanksgiving is around the corner, and you know what that means? Oh, I know where you're going with this, Michael. The inevitable political debates at the dinner table, right? Exactly. But let's not focus on the disputes. Instead, let's talk about recent bipartisan accomplishments by our lawmakers. A refreshing change indeed. So first off, the federal government is still funded, thanks to bipartisan efforts in the House and Senate. That's a big one, Abby. And it's not just about keeping the lights on in Washington. It's about funding for agriculture, energy, housing, transport, and veterans programs. Also, let's not forget the Defend Our Networks Act, introduced by U.S. Rep. Ashley Hinson. It's about replacing Chinese-made telecom products in U.S. internet networks with secure equipment. Right. And speaking of internet, there's been bipartisan demand for documents from Meta's CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, after allegations that the company hid evidence of its social media networks causing harm to children. And let's not forget the bipartisan efforts to expand rural internet access. The Access Rural America Act would provide regulatory relief to rural telecom companies, allowing them to submit streamlined financial reports to the SEC. Absolutely, Abby. It's not all doom and gloom. There's also the Keep Physicians Serving Patients Act, which aims to adjust the Federal Geographic Practice Cost Index to better reflect the cost of practicing medicine in rural areas. 
and Grassley's Bipartisan Find and Protect Foster Youth Act passed the Senate unanimously last week. It's about better information sharing on missing and runaway foster children. Right, Abby. But let's not forget the elephant in the room, President Biden's recent meetings with China's President Xi Jinping. It's been a hot topic, especially regarding the issue of illicit synthetic drugs like fentanyl. Yes, Michael. The White House statement mentioned progress on key issues. But back in Iowa, Republican politicians have been critical of Biden's handling of Xi. Indeed, Abby. And it's not just about the fentanyl issue. The House Select Committee on China sent the White House a list of 10 priorities to ask of China's president, including releasing all Americans wrongfully imprisoned in China, ending all fentanyl shipments from China, and ceasing all military operations in Taiwan airspace. Yes, Michael, it's clear that there are many complex issues at play. But at the end of the day, we can hope for more bipartisan efforts and achievements for the betterment of the country. Speaking of complex issues and the political landscape, it seems our lawmakers have been on quite the ride recently. Let's shift our focus from bipartisan achievements to some recent, shall we say, dramatic events in the Senate. Buckle up, folks, because this political roller coaster is just getting started. Welcome back, folks. We've got quite the political roller coaster to discuss today. Let's start with the Senate smackdown, Abby. Oh, that was something else, wasn't it? Teamsters Union President Sean O'Brien and Senator Mark Wayne Mullen really went at it. I mean, stand your butt up then. Those words will be etched in Senate history. It was a spectacle, to say the least. But Senator Sanderstedt stepping in, that was a much-needed intervention. Absolutely, Michael. And then there's Senator Joe Manchin's reaction, calling it a shame. It really was a low point for the Senate. Right. It's not exactly the image of leadership we want to project to the world. But moving on, let's talk about Senator Tim Scott dropping out of the presidential race. Yes, it was expected, given his low polling numbers. But it'll be interesting to see where his supporters go and who he'll endorse. Indeed. And speaking of presidential races, New Hampshire's set the date for their primary, despite the DNC and President Biden's wishes. Yes, and it seems independent candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. might be a threat. The latest GOP poll is also quite interesting, with Trump leading, followed by Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, and... Ron DeSantis, who seems to be fading. And isn't it dicey for Haley? She's been critical of Trump, but is also his biggest challenger. It is, Michael. But in politics, anything's possible. And with the age and health of the frontrunners, we might be looking at our first female president soon. Quite possible, Abby. And let's not forget about Manchin. He's been touring cities and states, testing the waters for a potential third-party presidential run. Yes, and it's fascinating to see him navigate the political landscape. Finally, let's touch on the George Santos situation. Santos, yes, he's not seeking re-election and is facing criminal indictment over campaign finances. It's a big blow for the GOP. Certainly, Michael. They'll need to find a viable candidate for that swing district in New York. Well, folks, that's all we have for now. Stay tuned for more updates on the political landscape. From the turbulent world of political races and Senate showdowns, let's shift our focus to some of the pressing issues that are stirring up debates across the nation. It seems that there are some significant disparities between public opinion and party stances on key matters. Stay tuned as we delve into these critical topics next. Today's topic is a bit of a hot potato, don't you agree, Abby? 
Indeed, Michael, it seems we're mislabeling and mishandling some significant issues, such as women's rights and gun control. It's quite the conundrum. Former Congressman Peter Smith seems to think so. He points out that the Republican Party's stance on these issues has shifted significantly. For instance, their hard right turn on Roe v. Wade, advocating for severe limitations or even a total ban. Which is quite ironic, isn't it? The Republican Party, historically resistant to government intervention, is now advocating for government control over women's bodies. It's a stark contradiction. And there's another dimension to this contradiction. Despite the party's stance, polls show that a significant majority of citizens, around 65%, support either no limitations or very limited ones. So it's not just a progressive or liberal issue, it's a mainstream issue. The same goes for gun control. From red flag laws to stricter background checks, to magazine size limitations and banning military-grade weapons. These are all solutions that could make a difference. But again, there's a disconnect between party stances and public opinion. Right, Abby. In fact, Smith points out a rather striking comparison. In most states, hunting animals requires training a license and there are restrictions on weapons and ammunition. Yet carrying a weapon in public places often requires none of these. So as Smith puts it, bears and elk are safer than people. It's a chilling thought. And again, polls show a strong majority of our population favors stricter gun laws, making this a mainstream issue as well. So we're seeing a pattern here. It's not about big government versus small government anymore. It's about mainstream versus extreme. That's a powerful point, Abby. The political spectrum is evolving. It's no longer just about the size of the government, but about addressing the problems that a significant majority of people see and feel. Exactly, Michael. And these mainstream views represent the values, wants, and needs of the American people. It's a call for a shift in our political discourse and a need to accurately label these issues for what they are. Mainstream, not extreme. 